Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. It's all presented by Coors Light. He's Paul Dottino. I am John Schmelk. Giants getting ready for preseason game number two against the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium tonight. Kickoff is at 7.30, pregame on the radio, which can be heard on Sports Radio 66, WFAN AM, only on the AM dial at 660, is at 635. Paul Dottino is a play-by-play at 730. And if you're on TV, you can check out the game on WNBC Channel 4. Coverage begins at 730. Paul, how are you? Good to see you, John. Looking forward to the game tonight. I will uh, I will tell you this. After what happened last week, there are a lot of very interesting points to uh, assess in week number two. Yes, and I will get to why we started the show late in a moment. I was watching a replay of the pass interference penalty from last night that did not get overturned. But I want to touch on the stuff about the giant game specifically for the Giants first as Paul watches it for the first time here. Um for me, number one, Paul, has to be Daniel Jones. He's coming off a small sample size, as good of a performance as he could have had. Five for five, 67 yards, a touchdown, perfect quarterback rating, small sample size. I asked Pat Shermer a question that I eventually edited out because I don't think he liked the question very much. And he gave me a great answer okay. in our interview today. I asked him, you know, would it be useful? Because, you know, last week everything kind of went perfect for Daniel. He, you know, completed every pass. He was didn't face a lot of pressure. Everything went well for him. I asked, you know, are you looking forward to maybe seeing him face a little adversity, see how he handles something not going right? And he he, he was not a big fan of that question. He goes, no, we want to see everything go right for him every game. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But then he did go on to say, you know, it's the NFL, though. Things are going to go wrong. But we do feel confident about him based on what we've seen in practice and what we saw in college from his time at Duke that he will handle those things well. But for me... I want to see how Daniel Jones handle, handles a rush being in his face, how he deals with pressure. Does he stay cool? Does everything still look comfortable for him when it's not a clean pocket? Those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to with him tonight. Well, for me, he did not get into a two-minute drill situation. I think and that's another good one. That, to me, is the number one priority. because, And we could get that at the end of the first half, theoretically. Well, yes, because we figure Eli's going to start, and let's just say he goes two possessions or the first quarter. If Daniel Jones gets the whole second quarter, you know, barring any lightning, <laughs> and it's going to be rain tonight, folks. Don't even go there. I know. Uh, but barring a lightning delay that would cause a, uh, a a chink in the armor, so to speak, the anticipation is that Jones will play the second quarter, which means there is a real possibility he will get into a hurry-up, no-huddle, two-minute drill possibility. And I think we anticipate Eli for... Most of the first quarter, I think they have one really good drive. That might be the end of him. If he has a three and out, we'll probably see him come out for a second. And then Daniel Jones rest of the first half. And then you probably have Tanny and Loletta split half number two. That makes perfect sense to me. And so that's where my focus is on uh, with Daniel Jones. Because to see him in a situation where the clock is a factor is is to me, is paramount. Because if he ever gets to a regular season game, that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree 100%. In terms of Saquon Barkley, the Giants have not tipped their cap as to what they're going to do. Uh, it didn't seem like hearing from Pat Shermer this week that he was going to play this week. No reason to kind of get risk injury with him. We'll see. If he does play, it'll probably only be one or two or three plays at most. But we'll see about that. I wonder if Wayne Gallman, who's had an ankle and has missed practice over the last couple of days if that impacts whether or not he's going to play we'll see uh, my guess is we're, if we're going to see Barkley it's going to be in preseason game number three and that's it so I, w- I do not think he's going to play tonight but we'll see and that means a lot of Rod Smith and Paul Perkins Paul and those guys are fighting for that third running back spot 
Yeah, considering Gallman didn't get to work uh, with a sore foot for most of this week. Yeah, I don't think he's going. You know, it would be shocking to me if he plays. And and to be honest, the Barkley thing, I think that coaches hinted the last several weeks that he probably would hesitate to get him into a preseason game. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of upped the ante when he said this week to a question at one of the news briefings when he said, I think he's been getting a lot of good work at practice, and our guys are giving him a good look, and and it's been very productive. When he said that, the red flag went off in my head that said, okay, he thinks that Barkley's getting the appropriate work in practice. He thinks he's getting the right preparation in practice. It, it, it really threw a strong hint to me that he's not going to play. I agree. Obviously, no Sterling Shepard still. Evan Ingram didn't play in the first game. We'll see. Eventually, I think they'll work him into a preseason game. We'll see if it's tonight. I don't know yes or no on that front. But it'll be another chance for these wide receivers, Paul, after uh, start after Golden Tate to, to see who's going to make a play for this team. Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, the newcomer, TJ Jones, Benny Fowler. And I think if Alonzo Russell, Paul, can put together a few very strong preseason games to close out the preseason, I think he's got a shot at you know beating out one of those vets. And I think he could have done it last week if Alex Tandy didn't overthrow him on a couple of deep routes. His numbers would have looked a lot better, and frankly, better than T.J. Jones. Well, let's look at it this way, John. We discussed this during the week uh, out uh, at, at the practice field. The Giants are going to be forced to keep seven receivers at the beginning of the season, given that Tate doesn't count on the 53. He's number seven. Right. So, I mean, I think they're going to keep six plus him. Yes, I agree. Okay. If we agree with that, I'm telling you, I think T.J. Jones, in two weeks of practice and after what he did against the Jets and also helped himself in the return game, he's going to make the 53. I never would have thought that when he first got here. I'm not willing to say that this early. I think he's got a real darn good chance, but am I sure at this point? No. Okay. So he is injecting himself into the competition at the very least. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yes. Okay. Darius Slayton, coming off of the hamstring injury, uh, did some stuff this week. Limited, but did some stuff. Uh, he's got two games at least to prove himself that he belongs on the 53. And, and they badly need the speed. And we'll see if he plays tonight. Okay. So he now muddies that situation too because if that hammy was going to linger and he wasn't going to be able to show them anything in the preseason, well, then you probably could have pushed him aside to injured reserve. I don't think that's going to happen. Unless he has an, a setback or an aggravation, I think Slayton's going to have to be on the 53. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Well, guess what? Shepard, Slayton, maybe TJ Jones. Bottom line is now you're running out of spots real quick because you know Latimer's going to be there. You know Russell Shepard's going to be there. I, do we know that? I think so. I think so too, but I think, I think once for me... Once you get past, and you, assuming Slayton's on, Shepard, Tate, obviously. I know Tate doesn't take up a spot, but he's going to be there, right? And Latimer, after that group, I'm not sure anybody's spot is 100% secure. Russell Shepard is a question for you. I, If I had to put him on the roster now, would I put him on the roster? Absolutely. Can Do I believe no matter what happens in the final three games that he's on? What if What if he has like three bad drops? Fumbles the ball. Let's put it this way. And plays poorly, and somebody else goes absolutely bananas. I would be very surprised if he falls off the map. 
I would be very surprised too. But when I say lock, I mean lock. I mean lock. Okay, in other words, he could sustain a horrible game and still make it. That's what you're saying. A lock to you means I think he's, guy can I have think a bad game and, and po- still... A poor game, yes. Can he sustain three bad games? Well, that's not going to happen. Well, he's a pro. You don't... I, I'm, I'm, okay. Look, I've seen, okay. I've seen weird things happen right. in this league, Paul. All right. That's all I'm saying. All right. And, and, and honestly, to me, that means the other spot, in all likelihood... If everything goes according to the way the arrows have been pointing, Penny Fowler's got the other spot. Unless he screws up and you, falls into quicksand. Do you feel better about Shepard or Fowler? Because I think Fowler is ahead of Shepard as a receiver. Simply he is. in terms of a receiver. You took the words right out of my mouth. But Russell gives you so much more on special teams. Correct. But if Antonio Hamilton's making the team and he's one of your gunners, and Latimer's one of your gunners. Do you need a third one? Well, let's put it this way. As of now, there's room for both Fowler and Russell Shepard on the team. Sure. You don't have to fight over the, that one spot. And right now, again, if I put my 53 and they're both in. But I think at 6-4, which is different than anybody else on the roster, if Russell shows that he's consistently running regular routes, catching the football, and can be a big wide receiver weapon and be a deep threat, which he showed in game number one, and we've seen him in practice catching deep balls too. We have. Might his upside purely as a wide receiver put him into the conversation? Right now, I've got Reggie White and Alonzo Russell on my practice squad. And that's what I have right now too. But I'm talking about can that change? I suppose it could. There are three preseason games to go, and I never want to make harsh or quick decisions. I would like to. I always tell people all the time, this is why I don't make a 53 and change it every week during the preseason. I I, I make one up at the beginning of camp, and then I make one up after the fourth preseason game. I don't keep fussing with my list. Although, I had to fuss with my list when T.J. Jones came here and suddenly was injected into the wide receiver competition and has shown in two weeks to be a pro to be as tough as nails, and to be versatile enough to give you something on special teams. I now have to inject him into that deal. And by the way, I'll say this too. I want Russell Shepard on this team. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a good personality for the locker room. He's a great dude. Really good dude. I hope he's on this roster, and I'm rooting for him. But let me tell you this way. If you walk up to Russell Shepard and you asked him, do you think you're a lock to make this team? He's telling you no. Well, that's because he's a pro's pro. Right. And that's what pros pros do. And that's why they don't I, take anything for granted. And that's why I think he's going to make it. Yeah. Because that's the way he approaches everything. And that's that's the type of guy that he is. Anyway. And, and yeah. So that's that's a great fight. The wide receiver battle is a great fight. And we've been saying that since, what, last February? And the thing that's fun about it, it's not now just a fight for who's on the roster. It's a fight for who's your starter the first four games. That's right. With Golden Tate suspended for four games. So you're not only fighting for the number six spot and number five spot on the roster, or six or seven, depending if well, you want to count Well, who's two Tate. and three? Who's two and three? <laughs> no, exactly. And that's what makes it exciting. It's really a competition up and down that depth chart, not just for roster spots, but for playing time. Would you agree with me? It's probably the most fun of the competition battles right now. Yeah, and then also because wide receiver is the easiest thing to judge over the course of practice. Fair enough. But now. yeah, I agree. I think that's, you know, yes, I would, yeah, I would say that's the most fun and competition. Honestly, I agree. Honestly? I had to, to think about it for a second. Well, you know why? I, I The other reason I say it, not only because it's easier to spot the receivers, but also because, John, I don't think the Giants can really make a horrible decision. I mean, 
choices eight and nine, if you will, in brackets, they're not bad choices. Correct. No, they're not, which is why I still think I'm not, I don't want to lock anybody in because I think the last two choices are good choices, which is why I don't want to lock anybody in. See, now, on the other side of the ledger, uh, the two things that, that still disappointed me, we talked about this a bit on yesterday's show, and if you didn't hear it, I apologize, but I'm going right to the fact. Don't apologize. They should have listened. Well, maybe they couldn't. <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. The, the lack of pass rush was something that, you know, I'm definitely keeping my microscope out on and the lack of a running game. Those two things right now to me, I really, really would like to see to make me feel better in game number two. And Pat Shermer has reiterated he thought they pass blocked better than they ran block in preseason game number one. So I'm pretty sure he's on the same page as we are in terms of that. I'm with you too. No argument. They only average two yards per pop. You want better than that. And then in terms of the pass rush, absolutely. I think we know what Kareem Martin is. He's been in this league long enough where we know what Kareem Martin's going to give you, right? Yes. He's a solid player. He's an edge setter. He's not going to be this dynamic double-digit sack guy, right? The question is, are we going to see Lorenzo Carter take a jump? Are we going to see Zimenez be able to give you something as a rookie? Mm-hmm. And is Marcus Golding back to 2016 form? Those are your three questions you're trying to figure out. So if you're a fan at home and you're watching and you and the defense is on the field, Pinpoint one of those three guys if they're out there to watch. Agreed. 59, 44, 53. Watch one or two of those guys on each play. That's where you're going to get your edge pass rush. Or if you want to have some fun, see if 73 is on the field to push the pocket a little bit. I'm sorry, not 73. 97 is on the field to push the pocket from the inside. Dexter Lawrence. For a second there, you talk about freedom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, where are you going? I reversed the numbers, the seven with the nine. <laughs> I knew I was wrong. That's well, why I looked down when guys. I said it. I know, not, it's I okay, John. Yeah, there are 90 guys. Still, I should know that. 97. Uh, you know, but I would add one other caveat to that, and I mentioned it as well on Thursday's program. The Giants are going to do a lot of schematic stuff to create pass rush during the regular season that we're not going to see here. For example, I would be shocked, okay, if you see more than two or three corner blitzes. We didn't see very much of that last week. In fact, Julian Love did right. a corner blitz on a running play last week and stuffed the run behind the line. Yeah, but you don't want to but have to depend on that. You're not going to – well, right. yeah, and you're not going to see that really much in a pre – and you're certainly not going to see safety blitzes. Yeah, because, again, they're playing the Bears in the regular season, so you don't want to show what you do. That too. So And you don't want to get those guys hurt either, you know, charging in like that. The secondary guys, uh, why mess with that right now? So – it's always going to be a little asterisk next to the whole thing. But here, here's what troubles me, John. If we go through the entire preseason and don't see pass rush from the three guys that you are specifically targeting, well, then when's that going to show up? And by the way, I should throw 95 and 97 if you're looking for interior rushers into that. Yeah, you too, can. By the way. Sorry you can. That. Go ahead. But if you don't see it by week one going into Dallas, how worried are you? A little bit? lot? Moderately. Well, and the other problem, too, is that week one in Dallas, it's not like you're just, you know, you're not playing the Texans who have bad offensive tackles. You're going against Tyron Smith and Lael Collins. I know Lael Collins is an all-pro, but he's a starting caliber oh, tackle. They're they're pretty beefy up front. They're, that's that's a quality line. So, yeah, I'm 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 concerned. Okay, so, so you do need to see some of it during these four preseason games. Because pass rush in practice is different than pass rush in a game. I totally we've agree. Seen, we've seen guys here before in practice look like they're going to be good pass rushers and the game show up and they give you a diddly squat. We've seen it. Uh, we absolutely have. So, and so uh, you know, I'm with you on that. I, I'd like to see at least something 
in these four preseason games to make me believe that they can hit the switch in Dallas and it will be there. Right now, after one game, there is no evidence of that. All right. We'll take your calls in a second at 201-939-4513. Do you want to talk about the pass interference call? Uh, yeah, yeah. You want, to, you, you want to just tell these people exactly what it is because right. you, you, know, so you the, had seen it live, right? Yes. I did not see it live, but you I didn't. heard about it, so I went and I watched the video uh, this morning. So Paul's watching the play right now. The Redskins had the football. They were throwing deep to number 13, and the call on the field was offensive pass interference. And the Redskins reviewed the play. To try mm-hmm. to get offensive pass interference taken away. Correct. The way the play ran is that <laughs> I'm just trying to describe it accurately for the fans. <laughs> and and believe me, folks, he's not taking any nasty medication. He's going to describe to you what he sees, and so, it's going to sound off the wall. Number thirteen, who's the Redskins receiver, has the def- has the Bengals defensive back beat probably about a fi- by about five yards on the play. Right. Okay. The ball's underthrown. Probably about so the Redskins. So the Redskin receiver has to stop and try to jump and catch the ball. Yes. The Bengal defensive back, which often happens when a defensive back is beat, is just running full speed to try to catch up. Mm-hmm. So the Bengals DB, as the Redskin <laughs> player jumps and tries to catch it like this, the Bengals defensive back literally runs into the Redskins player before the ball gets there. Without looking backwards. Without looking back at the, no, that that's actually an important point. Without looking back at the ball. <laughs> now I did look at this play, and I, I did not see a push-off earlier in the play. But regardless, they go to review, and it's clear as day that this should not be offensive pass interference. But we talked about this last week. It's going to be hard to take pass interference off the board if there's contact, yes. right? So while I disagree with the fact that they kept the offensive pass interference on there, here's my bigger problem. Once you're under the hood, you can add whatever the hell you want. How did they not add defensive pass interference <laughs> to at least make it an offsetting penalty? That's the problem with the, that. As bad as it is, they left the offensive pass interference on, which is bad. What's egregious is that they did not add defensive pass interference. Because, Paul, to you, it's clear that he makes contact before the ball gets there, right? The defensive back basically runs right through the chest of the Redskins receiver like a freight train. Now, well, take a look. Does he make contact before the ball hits the Redskins receiver's hand? It's close. It's close. But to call this offensive pass interference is beyond laughable to me. Yeah, it's a joke. It's not even close. The Redskins receiver's jumping like this for the ball. I'm not as upset as you are about throwing the defensive call and then calling an offsetting penalties. That doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. What really bothers me, though, is is that that anybody could call the offensive player for an infraction on this play. First of all, what is the official looking at on the field that they think that's offensive pass interference? That's number one. And then in review, how do you leave it? (sighs) Could the official have been colorblind? And he thought that the the red skin was actually a bangle. How about that? Could there have been a push-off maybe earlier in the play? (sighs) Do you think that's possible? I did not see it on the old 22. Well, but look where the flag comes when out. When does the flag come out? Here it comes. Where? Coming, coming, coming. Right there. So it, comes, the, it comes in after the play? At the end of the play, and then here comes the flag. Right oh, there. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's terrible. I don't look. I, I'm usually very good at interpreting rules and understanding right. why the officials make a certain call that they did. Folks, just search for it on Google. Search for the interference penalty. Who has it on Twitter? 
Paul? Mark Bullock, B-U-L-L-O-C-K, NFL. Mark Bullock, NFL. And he uh, he has the picture or the the uh, he's from the Athletic in D.C. Does he's, the Redskins? He's got the video. He's got the video. Uh, Harmon was the receiver. He is charged with offensive pass interference. Uh, Jay Gruden, the Washington coach, challenged the call, and uh, he was told no dice. Yeah, and they didn't add the the DPI either. So anyway, yeah, <sighs> boy, this it is, is preseason, folks. This is, is going to be fun. And telling you. It, and I understand why they added it to avoid the egregious call in the NFC title game. I get it. I, I think it, I think it's, it's a worthy goal. This is going to cause so much debate, fights, and, and trouble over the course of the year because they're trying to fix one egregious error. And I just wonder if it's all going to be worth it. 201-939-4513. Let's do phone calls. Don in Texas has been holding the longest. Hey, Don. Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Hey, P-Dot. Hi. Hey, there's two things I want to talk about, and then I know you did bold predictions two weeks ago. I'm just going to leave one. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things I want to talk about first. I'm really, all the other things I'm going to be watching in tonight's game, I'm really looking forward to see how this new Giants offensive line matches up against that formidable front seven against Chicago. Now, I know it's only going to be a couple plays, but that is a very formidable front seven, and I want to see how the Giants match up for that. Well, here's the, the problem, Don, of, real quick. They're not going to play a lot of the guys. The Bears actually just did, much like the Giants did last year before their second preseason game, the Bears had um, team scrimmages against the Broncos this past week, so their starters got a lot of full contact during the week, so I don't think we would have seen a lot of Bears starters on either side of the ball tonight. You know, if okay. I watched uh, some of the Bears tape from last week. They lost to the Panthers in their preseason opener. Roquan Smith was the only one of their four starting linebackers who got snaps in that game. There was no Trevathan. There was no Mack. There was no Floyd. So if you're looking for a really you know, a starchy kind of test from the Bears' D, you're not going to get it if those three guys are on the sidelines. I agree with you, but I didn't know that. But thanks for updating me on that. Sure. Second thing I want to talk about, especially with what you said last week, Paul, I think we as Giants fans need to taper down our expectations just a tad. I mean, I think me personally, I think they're going 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, not much better. I don't see them going into Dallas week one beating them. Their record is like 1-11 and 11 on opening day. And the one win the Giants had was because Terrence Williams made a mental mistake and didn't run out of bounds to even give them a chance to kick a field goal. So I'm not too optimistic on that, but I just wanted to call and stress the importance of the month of September. What does that have to do with it? Over the past couple years, I can't tell you how tough it was. By week three, week four, we're hearing must win, must win. This team is not that talented to recover from that. I remember last year when me and my family went down to Houston, we, the Texans and the Giants were both trying to avoid an 0-3, the Texans recovered, haven't lost a game since like week 14, and they made the playoffs, and the Giants just continued to go downhill. Again, the talent isn't there, and I agree with you, PDOT. They're not going to be making a lot of noise. What I'll be watching for with them this year is not so much if they lose. I'm going to be watching how they're losing. Are they competitive? Is this actually football what I'm watching? Over the past couple seasons, I'm telling you, I've seen so many games, like I don't even know what I'm watching. Is this football? Whether it was bad offensive line play, quarterback, defense, what I'm looking for is the competitiveness in that. Well, I mean, let me put it to you this way. I've always said this because Bill Polian, the Hall of Fame uh, front office executive, and if you've heard me do this program a lot of times, you know that I often do refer 
to this, uh, this piece of advice that he has given many of NFL teams over the years. And that is, you often will not know what you really have until the first month of the season is in the books. So what you've got to do, if you're a team like the Giants, which is aspiring to be better, aspiring to be in the playoff hunt and to be more competitive, you want to go no worse than 2-2 two and two in the first four games of the season. Just tread water. And make it a 12-game season so that you can say, all right, let's reset. We've got 12 games to go. We're right at sea level, and let the chips fall where they may. Let's see what we've got. Let's maximize our advantages and try to put forth the winning record in the final 12 games of the year. That's why 2-2 two and two is always a critical number after four games. So I can't agree with you more. 1-3 and three and 0-4, oh you know, yeah. Can you come back from that? You can. The mathematics say it's possible. But is that a desirable situation for a team that's trying to grow and improve? Absolutely 100% not. Especially with the way the rest of the schedule looks. So I'm with you there. September is critical for this ball club. I agree, Peter. All right, I'm going to make one quick bold prediction. Now, if I had to do this logically... I would say Daniel Jones is going to be starting by week 7, October 20th, against the Cardinals at home. But I'm going to make it bold. Daniel Jones is going to be starting by week 4 against the Skins against Haskins. Have a great weekend, guys. Keep up the great job. Take care. Appreciate it. That's Don in Texas. I'll write this down. Make sure I get it. Don in Texas. DJ start. He said week four versus Redskins or week three? Week four he's, versus Redskins. Yeah, he said, he said he, which, of course, doesn't jive, right? I mean, because he was just We're saying. They're taking our schedules off the wall now. They're taking my notepads. They're no, taking no. our schedules off well, the wall. Here, here's the problem. Here? He was just saying a minute ago how he wants to avoid a disastrous start in September. But now he's got Daniel Jones starting in week four, which means it's been a horrible start. Well, he said he wants to avoid it. Maybe he doesn't think they are going to avoid it. Why? Who's taking our schedules off the wall? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> here, here. I got, I got it on my, I got it on my computer. It's week four. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not the problem with what he said. The problem is, it's a contradiction. If, no, he's if, saying what he wants and what he thinks is going to happen. Those are two different. Right. Those are two different okay. points. You know what I mean? Well, and let me tell you something. Uh, even at zero and three, Daniel Jones is not starting in week four. It's not going to happen. 0-3, Daniel Jones is not getting the start in Week 4 unless, unless Eli is hurt or has performed absolutely off the cliff horrible. Correct. I agree with you. And I don't see that happening. I have to So agree. you want to talk about being a bold prediction? Yeah, that's a really bold prediction because I don't think it's got a prayer in the world of happening. Well, that's why it's bold. It sure is. No one said it was smart. 201-939-4513. Don's one of our better calls. He's a, he's, a, he's a good man. Thanks for calling, Don. Len in Columbia, Maryland, wants to talk about the game tonight. Hey, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great, Len. What's up? Len, you good, coming up? Good, good. You know, um, when no. they make the change, it is really kind of a critical decision. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about the transition now from, from Eli to Daniel. It's, guys, it's not going to happen at home. The, the first game, the, for the first time, is not going to happen at home. It's just not. They're Len, not going to put Eli on the sidelines. Len, I don't think that matters. I've got to be honest with you. I don't think that matters a lick. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. Okay. And, and, and Len, okay. let, me, let me add one other thing before you go any further. Honestly, yes. there is absolutely no concrete plan that anybody in this building has 
of making that transition. There are philosophical generalities that we have discussed many times as to what types of circumstances would have to be in place for them to seriously consider the move. But to suggest that, okay, concrete, it's going to be on the road, or it's going to be against the division foe, or it's going to be coming out after the bye, that that would be absolutely erroneous. I don't believe there is any concrete, concrete fact that has been discussed as to when or how this is going to happen. Other than John Mara saying, hey, in a perfect world, if I get my druthers and I get what I want, Eli has a great season, we have a great season, and Daniel Jones never sees the field. And hallelujah, I'm on board with that, Len, 150%. Okay, um, I heard both of you. I disagree with you, but well, let's move on. Well, it we're, is not a... gonna get any, we're not going to get anywhere with that, but I just, I just want to say I disagree with okay, you. Okay, so then you're um, going to be wrong. Hey, That's hey, okay. Paul. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> hey, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul, last week when, uh, you, know, the, you know, we had the rain and the lightning and the network, uh, you know, changed the game at 10 o'clock to Arizona and so forth. Did they? Scrambling around, for ha- scrambling around. To, I was having trouble with my Game Pass connection. Oh, so, man. Well, lo and behold, lo and behold, I went to the fan. And 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 I heard this voice, and it's and it's and it's Paul. Yeah, and he did a nice job, Paul. Thank that you. Was pretty good. I, I very much enjoyed it, and and it's been a a tremendous honor and privilege for me to uh, to get the four preseason uh, radio play by plays. And the fan, of course, John, you know this from working there before you came to the Giants. We're talking about what thirty eight states and half of Canada at nighttime with that AM signal. Sure, hundred percent. Yeah. So Giants oh, fans, it was good. You, you know, were, you, and you know, for thank just, you, Paul. Just for just a second, I, you know, I flashed back. Or just a second, I thought I was listening to Marty Glickman with your, oh. you know, the Giants, the Giants moving left to right. Oh my goodness! I, I had a quick flashback to Marty. <laughs> you're very, you're very kind. I, I would, I would never put my my name in the same sentence as Marty Glickman, but it's still very nice to to, to hear oh, the compliment. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Now the only other thing, you know, our good friend, our, our, our good friend Sean, we got to get him integrated a little more. We got, we got to get, we got to get Sean talking a little more, and I think he'll be, I think he'll be great. He'll be great. But it was a lot of fun, Paul, to hear you. Nah, cool, appreciate yeah, it. Listen on your, on your question on the, um, you know, when will you worry about, uh, you know, if we don't see a pass rush? Right. I will be concerned by the end of preseason, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it the first four games. Um, if I don't see it in those. Begin to see some semblance of it in those first four games. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm starting to look through the draft guides. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for edge rushers. You know, um, but I'm I'm going to give them the first four on that. Let me let me let me ask you a question about X Man. Um, I know he played a lot last week, John. I think you threw out some numbers. Yeah, about thirty I'm snaps. Sure he, he about thirty. Played, he may have played the most. About yeah. thirty snaps. Well, yeah. Was, was he coming out of the same position, guys? I mean, was he was he edge rushing? Um, I guess it would be from the left side. Did he get any? Did he get his hand in the dirt at all? Yeah, he is. He is primarily Len been rushing over the right tackle, so left defensive end. And I believe the Giants were in nickel for nearly that entire game. So yes, his hand was in the dirt on most of those snaps. Okay, okay. Of course, uh, I mean that's that's where he played in college, didn't he? I mean, yes. Mostly his his hand was in the dirt, and you know I hate to see these guys make too much of a transition. If they did something well in college that caused us to draft them. Let's see how they do it in the pros, you know. Uh, but um, I think he, you know, I think he's got some potential, and I hope it, um, you know, hope it works out. Listen, game day, exciting. Uh, you know, another uh, opportunity for uh, ninety guys to show off their abilities and skills. Although we won't see all ninety, obviously. I'm a little concerned about Ogletree's injury. Can you 
shed any light on I mean, calf. When I hear calf, there's been so many times in the past where we've oh, heard boy. calf, and it's you know it's 12 weeks later. You yeah, know, yeah, Len, 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 the indication we've gotten is that you should not be very concerned about Oval Trey. He should be fine. Okay, good. Um, I'm watching, you know, a couple of guys tonight. All of a sudden, I said to myself, you know, I got to get a look at this guy Slade at right tackle. People are beginning to talk about him. Wheeler's getting less and less time. Pay attention to Slade. So that's one place I'm I'm looking tonight. I want to see how he plays. Um, and I'm looking at Gates. I hope Gates can get back inside. I think he's got a shot inside. I'm not sure he can play tackle in the NFL. I mean, I, he's out there for a reason. I know we got some injuries. Can't play some other guys. You know that kind of thing. But I, I hope he can get back inside and show off some uh, you know show off some skills at that position. Um, John, I want to differ with you on one thing. Yesterday you yeah, talked finish about up, Len. We got to run. We got to run. Finish up. Okay, okay. Keep, keeping six defensive linemen, I think we're going to keep seven. I want to hang on to that Slayton guy. Um, I know Jenkins had a good first game last week, but he I did. think Slayton's a power, play, a power player, and I'm, I'm looking for him to make that roster. Thank Thanks, you, Len. Guys. Let's go, John. Hey, Pre- let's go, Giants. Appreciate it. Always, Thanks, Len. good to hear from you. A couple things. The reason I have Jenkins a little bit higher than Slayton is that Jenkins is more of a space eater if you want to back up nose tackle. And if they mm-hmm. don't want to use Dexter Lawrence as a nose tackle, they need somebody else to play that role which is why I gravitated more towards Slayton than I did to... I rather gravitated more towards Jenkins than I did towards Slayton, who to me is more of a three-technique, quicker type of guy. I concur. Um, in terms of the offensive lineman, as much as it pumps up Paul's ego, I'll say it anyway, I think Gates is a really good person to, person to watch this week. They've used him at guard. They use him at tackle. He's been on the left side, the right side, and that's the type of versatility you're looking for out of a backup player. So I think he's someone to watch. Chad Wheeler should be back this week. He practiced this week dealing with the back. I think his ankle got rolled a little bit over over the course of the week too. But he should be in there getting some more snaps. Watch him. He'll be competing for that backup swing tackle spot. And then, of course, he mentioned Chad Slade's been getting some opportunities over at right tackle as well. Yeah, that third tackle is uh, is a, a point of contention right now because Wheeler had the back thing before he had the ankle that you mentioned. Yep. And so he hasn't been able to do a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks. And even when he got back with the back injury, he didn't he, he, still, didn't look he right. still looked stiff to me. That that's the word I'll use. He still looked a little stiff. Is that fair? Yeah, and the problem there is that he worked really hard in the offseason. I saw him here a lot, Jeff. No, he was. He did work very hard. And you know, I always tell people, I give guys credit when they really bust their buns in the offseason because the effort that you put in gives you a better chance to actually improve on the field. It's not automatic. It doesn't correlate necessarily, but at least it gives you a better chance. And he worked his butt off. And to this point, on the field, I haven't seen the results that equate to the amount of effort that he put in. I know Nick Gates is one of your guys. Yes, he is. Have you talked to him a lot? Are you tight with him? I have talked to him. Okay. Well, can you pass on some advice from me? Okay. Off- belly shirts for offensive linemen. It's not pretty. Not the best look. No. <laughs> but you see, and listen, look, all any offensive lineman that would that would wear the belly shirt, it'd be a bad look. It's just his choice to go with right. the belly shirt. Probably not what you're looking for. Okay. He's over 300 pounds and he's very strong. Yeah. So get a double XL or whatever. No, it takes. no, 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 no. What I'm getting at here. <laughs> is that I'm not going to give him any fashion advice for fear of being squashed. Okay? That's also the kind of the second reason I wanted you to try to give him the advice. Maybe I could get you squashed. <laughs> Thank you. 201-939-4513. It's not a great look, though. 
I didn't say it was. JD and JD wants to talk about the Giants' offensive line. What's up, JD? That was John who said that, Nick. Schmelk says it's John not a great look. Actually, uh, hello. That was Lance Meadow, by the way. <laughs> Just FYI. JD, go ahead. I'm actually, uh, I actually got a bold prediction for you guys. Sure. Uh, it's not about the offensive linemen. Uh, but barring any injury, I think Evan Ingram will have 80 catches for 1,200 yards. Where are you calling from, JD? Have... Where, 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 where are you calling from? I want to make sure I, I, I write down your town oh, on the sheet. St. James. St. James. Got it. Thank James. you. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Eight, 80 catches, 1,200 yards? Yeah, yeah. What, okay. what are your thoughts on that, guys? Look, uh, I, I, I know I'm higher on Evan this year than Paul is. I think he's much more essential to what they do. I know Paul's high on him, but I think he's really a key to the whole season, a really big key. If he can pull that off, that's great. I think that's a lot of yards per catch. I mean, 80 catches for 1,200 yards. I'll do my quick math here. I believe that's 15 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a tight end. And I think he's going to be a downfield for threat, but 15 yards per catch for a tight end, that might be a little bit high. If it was 80 catches for 1,000 yards, I think that's a little bit more realistic. See, you got to remember, a lot of the problem here for me is that I'm going to make Barkley a much bigger part of the vertical passing game than I think John is. And I've already gone on record I want to use both, by the way. I want to use both going down. Oh, I get you. I get you. I'm going to rely a little more on Barkley, though, than I think more other than other people are saying, which is why yesterday when I said he's going to be a thousand thousand guy. And I know, I know there are some people who think I'm crazy with that, others who think it's plausible. I oh, think no. you thought oh, it was plausible. That's absolutely plausible. That's not crazy. But if Barkley's getting 1,000 yards receiving, how, chances are Ingram won't. How many receiving yards did he have last year? 800? 750, I think. Ooh, that's a big jump. Big you know? jump. Because it was 1,300-plus it was, uh, rushing, 750-plus receiving because he was over 2,000. Well, you must think he's, he's gonna, he has to, in order to get to 1,000, he's going to have to catch 90 balls then. Oh, I think he'll easily catch 80, but he's going to make a bunch of bigger plays downfield, which okay. will add up the yardage. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking with the departure of OBJ, uh, he would just be so key to the offense. And with this new play action, you know, using all these plays, I think he could be a huge integral role in the offense. No, absolutely. No argument. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Oh, thank JD, you. Good stuff. Just remember, John, the one thing that, that's key to this entire passing attack is that, in theory, we believe Eli is going to have a lot more time to throw the ball, which means he doesn't have to throw eight-yard slants anymore. And checkdowns to Saquon. Right? So, you know, not. Saquon's going to have time to run 20 yards downfield and, and, and catch that pass on the sideline. Ingram's going to have time to run 25 yards downfield to go catch a pass in the seam. Now, for the second straight day, I get to go to this next caller right after a very, very brief call, and I hope he once again learns his lesson. I got a bad feeling about this. Hallelujah. Losing his mind. Mr. Illness. He wasn't oh, right in that. Enough jokes. I am happy. <laughs> You're a madman. Charlie still gets entertained by his own open. Charlie, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Hello, Charlie. Hey, look. Hey, you've seen the news, and I, and I sent you a tweet about clowning. They want to uh, trade him. Now, he would be perfect in our system in the defense. You'd have Clowney, he'd be the Chandler Jones, and then you've got, Mr. he'd be Batman, and Robin would be Golden, and we'd be back where we should be. We'd have a pass rusher, we'd change the whole dynamics of the defense. Uh, and we, if DJ should try to go after him, we got tons of money next year, we can pay him, and it would make a big difference in Charlie, this team. I what try, do you guys think? Charlie, Paul, you go first. All right. I'm just going to ask you a very simple question. Sure. What do you want to give up for him? 
They're not going to ship him for peanuts. It sounds like they'd be willing to take a two. Yep, I'd give him a two, and I'd give him uh, Chad Wheeler to go along with it because <laughs> they need an offensive tackle. The report I saw is Wheeler. that they're willing to be realistic in the return they're going to get for him, and I read that as that they will not require a number one pick. Maybe I'm reading that incorrectly. That's how I read it. I'd be shocked if they settle for a two. Well, that's what the Chiefs got for their pass rusher, right? Yeah, they're not going to get a one. They're gonna, they they want to get rid of this guy. And and but Charlie, here's the, the thing, thing is, Charlie. The, hold on, but yeah. even, Oof, even, yeah. even if it's Oof. just a two, okay? Yeah, yeah. One, you got to find about twelve million dollars of salary cap space this year to fit him under your cap, and they don't have it. That's that's They'll number one. It. They they can play around with it. They can restructure contracts. They can do a Ooh, lot of stuff. You, no, that's you, not a that's that not gets an sticky. That gets sticky. That's a lot of money to do. The second part nah, of this, Charlie, and you nah, say they can do it, and you say the you, Eagles do it all the time. We can do it, Charlie, and you said they have plenty of money to sign him next year. You're right. I'm yeah. gonna I'm I'm gonna read a list for you from our buddy Warren Sharp who was on our show every year previewing the football season. Yeah. Here we go. 2018, Jadavian Clowney, knee surgery, lower back injury. 2017, knee surgery. 2016, elbow sprain. 2015, ankle sprain, lower back injury, Lisfranc sprain. 2014, knee surgery, microfracture surgery, sports hernia surgery. That's the guy you want to give... $40 $40 million guaranteed to next offseason. How, how many How many games did he play last year? I can tell you how many games he's played each year in his career. Let me bring it up. Hold on one Well, tell moment. me what he did last year. Charlie, just remember 16. something. Just remember one thing, and I don't disagree with you about the value of the player when he's healthy and he's on the field. I don't think anybody would, would fight way, you on that. he's never had double-digit sacks. Okay. Not once in his whole he, career. He, he's a quality player, though. He's There's no fine. question. He's a quality player. But, Charlie... You know, when you combine the money issue... I don't know if he's a number one, though. What, he could be. Well... But, but he well, hasn't proven it. When the hell is that going to happen? He's been here five years already. Yeah. Here's the thing, Charlie. When you combine yeah. the money that it's going to require, the trade value that they're going to demand, and I don't think it's just going to wind up being a number two. I think it's going to be more. Well, really it might, it might have to be like a two and a three. Okay. Something like that, And maybe. then on top of that, as John just alluded to... You've got to deal with an injury history that doesn't exactly make you sleep well at night. Yeah, I you know. I'm a little concerned about. But last year he played. I think he played 16 games. 15. Or 15. 15. 15, 15 yeah. in 2018. Yeah, so. 16 in 2017. 14 in 2016. 13 in 2015. Four in 2014. Hey, see, it's getting better as you go up. <laughs> so this year it's going to be 60. He's getting better, man. That's good. That's a good trajectory going that way instead of the other way. Charlie, so I, I, I would think, just be very cautious about loading up a lot of money. Philadelphia gets this guy. No, but they're the, supposed to be in the hunt for him. They don't have so any. Washington they, and Philadelphia are going to let him have Clowney. Charlie, Philly is in very difficult cap straits right now. I can't imagine they're going to figure out a way to fit him oh, under the cap un- unless they're sending another player back to Houston that also has a high cap hit. Because right now, the Eagles well, look, next year are over the cap. They're over the cap yeah. next year already. They need a left tackle. That's what they need. So. I mean, you know, Washington could give Trent Williams and trade, you know, just 
one-on-one. Give them Trent. They'll take Clowney. I'll tell you what. Maybe a three. That that would actually be a – I think that's actually a pretty darn good trade for both teams, to be honest with you, because that doesn't sound like Trent Williams is going to play this year. He seems pretty adamant about it. No, he's had it with them. And you're right. And you're right. Houston could use Trent. You know what, Charlie? That might be the best idea you've ever had calling up this show before. (laughs) Are you okay? That's actually – I don't want him to go That's not a terrible trade for both teams. Do you have like a fever or something? Do you think that's a poor trade? No, the fact that you're complimenting Charlie. Well, f- well, once in a blue moon, when he actually has a decent idea, I'll give him credit <laughs> for it. Let, let, Charlie, let me ask you a different question, okay? And sure. I appreciate yeah. the fact that you do want to help the Giants out this year because they'd like to make some hay. I get that. But what if I just said to you, okay, what if Houston decides that he's going to play through the season and he decides he comes to terms and they do the whole tag thing and he winds up playing this year? And at the end of the season – he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and you could just sign him for whatever contract it takes next spring. Would you rather have him then going into 2020, maybe after he proves in 2019 that he can play 16 games and get you double-digit sacks? No, I'd rather have him now because this might be Eli's last year, and I want to have the best players on this team so we can go to the playoffs and make a run for the All Super right, Bowl. and that's fair, and that's why I asked you the question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, guys. Have Thank a great you. weekend. Take care, Charlie. You too. Appreciate the call. 201-939-4513. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find any rumors about what they're asking for in terms of compensation. I'll take a look as we get to our next caller, which is Greg down in Atlanta. Greg, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? What's up, Greg? Hey, man. I'm calling... For a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, I agree with Charlie. I agree with Charlie. Um, I'm sorry. Maybe the pass rusher, Jabazi and Clowney is out there, and we probably can get him for a second round pick. And if we're trying to make moves, us keeping Eli Manning at the end of this year, and it's saying we automatically that we're trying to win. So if we're trying to win, I, I agree that we do need another pass rusher. Also, I also want to say, I know a lot of fans are not going to be happy when I say this. You guys may not be happy. I'm a huge Eli fan. That's the only jersey I have. But in my eyes and in all fairness, Eli Manning's career is nearest in man. And uh, um, Stephen A. Smith, they had Victor Cruz on first take. And Stephen A. Smith uh, was talking to Victor Cruz. And he, if, if you guys will ever go look at that uh, clip, to me, Stephen A. just sums it up the way it is. If, we, if his last name was not Manning, and the way that our quarterback was performing the last couple of years, we didn't have made changes. It's like, it's like we're showing favoritism because we appreciate what he did for us, almost. I get that, but in the business well, you can't you you can't win in that doing it that way. You have to put the best players on the field at the best time. Well, great, 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 great. Real quick, Greg, real yeah. quick. I just want I just want to come back at you real quick on what you just said. If you're looking at his numbers in a vacuum, and that's all you're looking at, I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. If you watch the games, though. They're not saying we're keeping him because of what he did in 2011 or we're keeping him because his last name is Manning or we're keeping him because he's holding all these Giants records. That's not why Eli's a starter this year. They believe that he will play better if the situation around him is better, like a better offensive line. We'll see if they're right 
If they are, that's why they're keeping him around. They're not keeping him around just because of what he did five or six years ago. They believe he's still that caliber of player if the circumstances around him are correct. And I think the offensive lineman is better. And obviously not having Golden Tate is going to hurt. But we'll see if that's the case. And if it's not the case, then we're going to see Daniel Jones sooner than people think. I agree. The only reason I say what I said, and I'll go after this, um, the only reason I'm saying what I'm saying is, if you, you bring the game and you're talking about rebuilding a team, and your quarterback is playing horribly with a $100 million contract, but you letting go all the other players, it's just making me scratch my head. Like, you know, we could have let Eli go two years ago and been financially better now. We're probably a better younger quarterback. Yeah, but Greg, here's the thing. Watch. But I, 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 like I said, I'm an Eli fan, mm-hmm. and I wish the Giants won this year, and the circumstances are better with a better line. So I hope he has better production. But if we don't, we have to be real with ourselves as fans and as an organization in part ways, man. That's, and I think that's offline. Take care. Oh, yeah. Take care, guys. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate the call. Um, here's what I'll say about that. I think I understand where you're coming from, and we'll see how he plays this year. Obviously, if he plays really poorly, we're good. That That's part of the equation Paul and I have talked about a lot. Sure. Giants winging and Eli Manning playing poorly. If that happens, then we're going to see Daniel Jones sooner than people think. But I think generally from a purely philosophical standpoint, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman believe there is value to Daniel Jones and his future development to not having to play right away. They think it helps him not being out there Game one, year one. To be Eli's sponge. Yes. And just learning and figuring things out. They think there's... They're not doing it solely because of Eli Manning. I think no matter who their first-round pick is, was a quarterback, that's what their thought was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's valuable to this player to watch for a while before being thrown into the fire. That's how I think they view it. That's kind of what they've said before without actually saying it, and that's how I look at it. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Uh, I want to go to Over the Cap for just a second, John, to, to review the clowny situation. Over the Cap does a very good job with the business angle sure. uh, of the finances and contracts and trade value, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this just came out a couple of days ago, and it's and it's a real— And I should point out, by the way, they would, they would get a third-round compensatory pick for him next year. Yes. So maybe trading him for a two wouldn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it. Well, and that's what I'm I was going to get to. Yeah. Because we're talking about how they handle this and what value they would get depending upon if they do something now or later. Uh, He claims, over-the-cap claims, Clowney's value under normal circumstances should fall somewhere between Khalil Mack's multi-first-round trade and the 49ers' second-rounder for Ford with the Chiefs, which you talked about. That's what I referenced, yep. So he says probably something like a first-round pick and a mid-round selection or a player thrown into the trade would be more like what the Texans should be looking for. Now, if they are in crisis mode, he says, maybe the best they're going to be able to do is a second-round pick. If they're in that mode. I don't know that they're there yet. He also says, and this is very interesting, he says he thinks the Texans' best option is to just reset and wait till next year. Because he says, if tagged next year, the franchise compensation falls from two first-round picks to a first and a third-rounder. He says that is reasonable enough that it would not surprise if another team signed Clowney in free agency under Mm. those terms for a one and a three. At the very least, they would be able to get a first-round pick for him with the Texans, given that he would sign a long-term deal with a new team as soon as a deal was executed with that other team. So 
Right now, to me, giving him up for a two is very unlikely. They got to be so desperate that they just want to wash their hands of this guy. I think the player for player trade, if they can work that out with somebody, and I think the Trent Williams thing does actually make sense. If the Redskins are convinced he's not going to play for them this year, I think that makes a certain amount of sense. I believe it's John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, who's a Hall of Fame football player. No, he's writer. terrific, John. He's awesome. He's already said that they're not interested in the deal for Trent Williams. Oh, did he, did he say that he already? He said that. Okay, interesting. To me, it makes sense because the Texans, look, I think Deshaun Watson's an excellent quarterback. And that poor kid got the, you know, what beat out of him last year mm-hmm. because they have no offensive tackles. Ask David Carr what that's about. Exactly. Let's go to John in Maine. We'll take two more calls before we wrap it up. John, what's up? Hello, uh, John and Paul. Hi. Talk to you. Hello. I'd like to make a bold, if you call it bold, prediction. There you of go. The Giants record being 12-4 and four this oh, year. Oh, baby, that's bold. Now. It's not well, like you're at a commercial. <laughs> having been a math major, I'll tell you how I came up to this. First of all, we started last year, the half of last year, last half was 4-4 four and four when we had a line in front of Eli. So extrapolating that to this year, we, I'm starting at 8-8. Eight and eight cause Now, you then add a better offensive line you guys have spoken about. Yes. And I think because of that and because our receivers have so much experience now in the system, instead of just being thrown out there the last half of the year, I think that's about a one or two game improvement. Whoa, 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 John, I, I love you. I knew you would object. <laughs> no, no, John, 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 I, I, I love you. And, you know, I was in favor of the Beckham trade, but you can't say the wide receiver position got better by two wins. Let, let's not go nuts. Yeah. I, I don't see the math there, to be honest with you. No, I think with the offensive line, you'll get more time, and those guys will be able to get open. Oh, and that's I fine. I th- think that's fine. I think on the whole, what you could say is that the overall passing game production could could be equal to what it was last year. And even if they turn out to be with the sum of the parts, you know, being a little bit greater than it was, to say it's a two game difference is a lot. That's just too much. Now, if me. you if you put in the offensive line into that mix together, then we can have a different conversation. But oh, I am. Yeah, okay, that's fair then. Well, because also yeah, I think, you know, if they the get their run, run blocking too, right? if they get their run blocking squared away, then it's not unthinkable to think that this offense is a top ten offense. That's not unthinkable. Well, remember they were sixth in the league at twenty seven point four points per game the last eight games. I, I understand. Which is okay. why it's not unthinkable that they could be a top ten offense. I don't think that's crazy. Okay. The other thing I think the defense is better because we picked up Seven oh, guys boy. and another few other pickups like um, Jabril Peppers. So I think they got to yeah, be better than 23rd anyway. No, the, 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 but remember, though, you picked up Jabril Peppers, but you lost Landon Collins. And Vernon. And lost Olivier Vernon. And you lost Snacks Harrison, who was there for the mm-hmm. first six games mm-hmm. last year. So you had significant losses there, too. See, here's the, here's the problem with your equation, John. Even if I buy— And by the way, you're also, you also the first mistake was your math. You started 8-8. Eight eight. If you want to compare it to last year's team, you start at 5-11. and 11. You don't start 8-8. Eight eight. But, but here's oh. what I want to tell you, John, about the defense. Let's just say for argument's sake that there is more pure talent on the Giants' starting defensive 11 than there was last year. If you want to make that assumption— we got to go, John. Thanks for the okay. call, pal. If you want to make that assumption, I won't fight you on it, but here's the, here's the big issue. That talent is still more potential right now than it is proven. It will take time— to develop, and to mesh. You have to account for a built-in learning curve that will produce numerous mistakes and may cost you. 
You have to account for that. You can't just automatically think that this defense is going to click and play its best football in week one. They will be a better defense in week eight than they will be in week one, John. Well, they better be. I think we believe the potential is there for that. I agree with your thesis. So, therefore, John's calculations, while pleasant to hear, <laughs> I, I, I do believe he's not taking all of the potential negatives into his math. And you can't just erase the first half last year either. That's you can't. You can't. And I'm, and I'm one who does believe that once they got things settled, that was more indicative of what the team was. But I agree with but that, But again, if you're going to admit to that, you have to put the same math and the same equation onto this year and say the Giants will be a different team in the end right. of October than they are in September. Correct. Nick in the Meadowlands, he'll wrap us up today. Hey, Nick. Hello. Hey, John. How you doing? Hi, Nick. How's fatherhood, sir? Uh, it's a lot of work, Nick, but it's awesome. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> Paulie Dots, how you doing, my friend? All good. Thanks for calling. All right, man. I got one question for you, Paul, because yes. I know you'll probably know this. How many sacks did LT have his rookie year and his second year since they weren't? Nine, well, uh, they, they didn't count as nine because it was pre-Elias, you know, so that's why technically. So he had nine unofficially his rookie year. Yeah, Michael, okay. St Michael Strahan, um, who is giving credit to tying LT for the Giants' career sack record. I hate to say it, but it's not really true because Lawrence had that rookie season that nobody counts for. I, I don't like that. Uh, Michael understands it, and I understand it. But the truth of the matter is, Lawrence Taylor played in 1981. He was an impact player who helped gi get the Giants to the playoffs. So, so to discount that season is criminal to me. So I will do a poll to, to me. Stray it's only the first season, or is it the first two seasons? His first one, right? His first season. The 1981 the season, season as a rookie. That's correct. That is the season okay, that so does not the, go on the stats. What's the record? What B.J. Hill has last year? B.J. Hill with five and a half last year, as one of our coworkers has described being the Giants' rookie record. Well, I immediately said, well, yeah, but you weren't around for Lawrence Taylor. And I was, <laughs> and I know what Lawrence had in his rookie season. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the record. And Elias can go smoke a pipe. That's because a, that's a so real journalism nine, right there. Nine Paul. is the record. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, so yes. I don't like making bold predictions. I just feel like it's, uh, you know, bad luck when I do things like this. But I'm just <laughs> going to say one little thing, you know, and you ain't seen but six snaps that he was in. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to have six sacks this year. Okay, so Dexter I've Lawrence will have more sacks than middle. BJ Hill. I think, you know, he's going to do some things. But uh, anyway, i got a few things to say about, you know, like especially with what's going on with Eli. Yeah, be quick. Now, too, too bad that Jerry Reese couldn't do this. He tried. He just failed. But Gettleman has addressed it right away. This line looks like a line. This is what Eli needs. He can make his reads. He can look at where the best receiver that's open is what's going to do the best thing, especially with play action. So, I mean, with people around, I mean, I'm getting tired of hearing about it. I'm excited to see Jones. I mean, it's a little small sample, but you know what? Tonight, I'm going to be excited the next, you know, whenever I do see him, but Eli's under contract. You really think that they're going to bench the guy because you want to see Daniel Jones? This is your opportunity to see Daniel Jones, I'm afraid to say, people. Because listen to these two guys and everybody else that's on this show. They know what they're talking about. The only way that Eli is not going to play is if he gets hurt. 
And if he does horribly, and we're talking, you know, almost close to the bye week. And Nick, I would throw one. I would throw one other thing in there. If at the end of the year, if they're mathematically eliminated, I think you could see Daniel Jones sure. as well. Sure, exactly. Right. Or if mm-hmm. say they're blowing somebody. Yeah, way of course, out, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. But Nick, Eli, the way that it's, and I hope that I'm right. You know, we're fans. Come on. Nick, the way that Nick. this line, look, this is what he needs. That's what type of quarterback he is. I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, he can't move around, he can't do this. Listen, he doesn't have to move around if they can block for him. Nick, we got to go. Sa- Saquon back there, I hope, and I know Shermer's probably has his own little routes that he's going to run. Put him out there. Sure. You know, I sure. heard somebody talking about talent before. How can you Nick, tell finish up. if the team has talent when you haven't seen him playing a, a, a real game yet? And what talent is there on a team? Well, you got Eli, you got Saquon, you got Shepard, you got Ingram. Who else do you have there? Golden Tate when he plays. And I think Latimer, I'm, I'm a big fan of Latimer. I think all these receivers are going to, they're going to show something, but Latimer, I'm really, I'm, I'm gunning for him. You know what I mean? Yep. So, All right, thank you, Nick. Appreciate the call, buddy. We got to run. Sorry, let, we're, let we're over just already. Finish with this one comment, John. Yep. And, and Nick, we'll do one tweet then. Nick is a great fan. Oh, I love that. I really enjoy when he when he calls because mm-hmm. he's a good old time guy and 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 really appreciates the franchise. But Nick, I'm going to make it really simple for you. Let's just cut it right down to the bare wood, okay? If you are a Giants fan, okay, there's only one way, one way to go through this season. And that is hope that the team does well. And for that to happen, Eli Manning's going to have to be your quarterback for 16 games. because Starting quarterback for 16 yes, games. Right. Yes, he's going to have to be the guy. So, so any fans out there who have decided to buy in to the agenda that says Eli's got to go, hold your horses or maybe just root for another team. Because if you really want Eli to get benched, that means you're going to be in for a long season and you're going to be in for a season that's going to result in a losing record and gives you no chance to make the playoffs. It's time for tweets. Let's Giants chat. The real Frank the Tank at Romocop74. Rumor is that Laquan Treadwell is on the block, Paul. Can you guys do some film review on him and see why he hasn't made an impact? Curious if Coach Shermer has any connection with him from his time in Minnesota. Well, he was there with Laquan Treadwell in Minnesota, and he was there. Uh, He has been a first-round busted wide receiver. He's big. He hasn't caught the ball consistently enough, and he gets no separation. That's, to me, the summary of why Laquan Treadwell hasn't worked out. Everything that people hoped for him has not come true. He's been terrible. And he's that big receiver that you would usually be interested in, but he just— Oh, you know I he, like skyscrapers. He, he just does not get enough separation. He doesn't have the quickness, the the, the, the ability to get in and out of breaks. He's just not good enough in that way to to have been a, an effective NFL wide receiver. He got and, he's passed, had, and he got passed over by two guys that were low draft picks and, and Diggs and Thielen. He's had enough time. Oh, he's got plenty of opportunities. And it hasn't happened. All right, guys, thanks for joining us today. It's all presented by Coors Light. want to remind you, tonight, if you want to check out the game on television, it's on WNBC Channel 4, getting underway at 7.30. Giants hosting the Bears at MetLife Stadium. If you want to check us out on the radio, myself, Lance Meadow, and Jeff Fields will have Coors Light Giants game day on Sports Radio 66, WFAN, only on the AM dial at 6.60 AM at 6.35 tonight. And then Paul Dottino and Sean O'Hara step in for all the play-by-play at 7.30. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. We'll be back with Big Blue Kickoff Live at 1 o'clock on Monday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Adios.